On this Aviation special, we sit down with Bren Walker as she previews her keynote for June 17th's AV3 event. You can find out more about AV3 at av3event.com. Uh, she'll be talking about the mobile experience and personal AV experiences. All that and more next on this Aviation special. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is an AV Nation special, previewing AV3 with Bren Walker. It's Tim Albright with AV Nation, the AV Nation special, taking a preview of AV3, uh, our, our event, uh, virtual event happening with uh, Vixa and our friends over at AV Network and SCN System Contractor News. With me today is Bren Walker from Kierkegaard. Uh, she is a partner there, uh, and she is going to give us kind of a preview and overarching of her beginning keynote. Uh, welcome, ma'am. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. June 17th, you get to see uh, Bren you, for the entire uh, segment. Uh, but first, if, if people aren't familiar with you, uh, how, how did you get involved in AV? Where, where have you uh, been? You've got, some, you've got a very uh, impressive uh, resume and background. And how did you get to, you know, involved in Kierkegaard? Thank you very much. Um, I'm a relative latecomer to uh, AV in that I've been at Kierkegaard for just eight years. Some of my colleagues have been at the firm for 20 and 30 years. This is a field that's highly specialized and people tend to stay, particularly if they get to work in the performing arts as we do. Um, I began my career uh, working in the music industry. I spent a decade working at uh, labels like Island, A&M, and Virgin Records. I was an artist and repertoire uh, director, so it was my job to be a talent scout. I went out, found bands, and made records and toured quite a bit. So I've been in a lot of venues. I've had a lot of experience with venues. I've had a lot of stripes from uh, touring experiences and being on the road and dealing with uh, AV systems. Uh, and after I spent 10 years in the music industry, I spent a decade working in Silicon Valley. I started a digital music startup. My first client was Napster. Mm -hmm. I also worked with uh, MySpace, Facebook, and uh, a number of different platforms on digital music integration did uh, e-commerce e initiatives, uh, and uh, spent some time working in mobile apps. So I produced the first mobile app um, that was advertising supported in Apple's uh, store. Uh, it was an app for the Lenovo, Lenovo sponsored for the Olympics. Um, I went on to do mobile apps for um, MSNBC, Motor Trend, different magazines and uh, news partners, uh, television broadcast. Over the course of my, my career, you could say that I'm, I've been a producer of sorts. I've produced different things. Um, I like to think of myself as a catalyst. I try to make things happen uh, and to make change where I can. Uh, I joined Kierkegaard in 2013 uh, as a strategist to help them with the change in ownership from the namesake Larry Kierkegaard to the next generation. And that turned into an examination of what that business was all about. That business was founded on working with uh, symphonies and with um, the uh, schools of music on concert halls and venues that were natural acoustic. Um, you know, some of my colleagues might even say that there was a period of time where AV systems were a necessary evil that they tolerated. Now, everyone recognizes that we're, we're a generation of digital natives coming up now 
Um, our generation, those of us who are professional in the field, if we haven't taken to what's going on with technology, we're finding ourselves left in the rear view mirror. So we have to be forward looking to be in this field. And technology is dominating what's happening in the performing arts in terms of the future and innovation. It gives us the most potential for what artists can do next within a space beyond the four walls of the architecture. So I've spent my time at Kierkegaard moving the firm into um, spaces and projects that are have more technology in them. Um, where we work to complement the natural acoustics, they're still going to be as great as they ever were for performing art spaces, but to expand beyond that and to define the venue beyond the physical venue. So we're focused on the digital venue, that's the 2D experience of live streaming and video, and the 3D venue, which is virtual augmented mixed reality. Well, and talk about that for a second, because this, this, it's a fascinating time to be here, right? We, we, you, we, we've all kind of experienced different intersections and different uh, important times and keystones in, in our careers. Uh, this is another one, right, where you, you mentioned the fact that the digital natives are coming up. Um, they, these, these folks, you know, Generation Z, whichever generation, but, but these are the folks who have grown up with the internet. These are the folks who've grown up with, with mobile devices. Um, they are in the workforce right now, right, and they're becoming more and more decision makers. The, the, the topic of your, of your keynote is the, the, you know, what's next for AV, right, the future of pro-AV. Talk about what, where, where that takes us, right? This, this, this digital, this intersection between augmented reality, virtual reality, and, and these spaces where, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, you're right, it was nothing but acoustics and, and acoustical, and now we're, we're incorporating more and more um, technology, um, but also more and more um, technology that's personal, right? That gives us a mm -hmm. personal kind of experience. What do you see kind of the next generation, the next evolution of, of Pro-AV? Sure. So there are a couple of things at play. Um, the first is that, you know, you talk about mobile devices. The, the, one of the critical things I think mobile devices have done is it's put filmmaking in your pocket. So the, one of the biggest art, pop artists of our time, Billie Eilish, she writes visually. She, she writes from a visual mode and her songs are created from that visual mode her generation can make a movie today in their pocket. So we have to be able to support that in terms of helping them take it to the next level. Um, the other thing that comes with that device in the pocket is the, the, the personal experience of experiencing things how I want to, the way I want to. So if I'm in a particular room and I want to share something from that room, whatever I see, the venue is and the venue operator it's in their interest to help me do that. It's in their interest to compel my use of social media because it expands their brand while I'm expanding my own personally. Um, the, in last year's, at last year's uh, Infocom, in one of the keynotes, there was a discussion about how codecs have gone from, hard, from hardware to software. And we've now crossed that Rubicon of having more than 75% of our codecs being software-based instead of hardware-based. That's part of what attracted me to coming into this field because I came from a programming standpoint. So when I think about codecs being software-based and our jobs not being so much about picking physical devices, but rather designing experiences, the last year has shown us that we have inequities in terms of the way experiences people experience things in our society. Um, and technology can be an inhibitor or it can be an accelerant in terms of breaking down those divisions that we see. Um, 
part of what I'm going to address in my keynote is around inclusive design and what it means to do inclusive design. This is not a demographic thing. This isn't about you know, what color your skin is or what your gender is. It's about how we think about spaces, how we think about design and making sure that everyone has an opportunity and accessibility to that space and to the systems that undergird that space. Uh, and getting at inclusivity, in my view, addresses how we in our field can come at the social problems at a what is for us a very mechanical level and practical level in terms of how we design projects, but can have a bigger impact in terms of how people feel when they come into, into a space. For people to feel like they belong there, we can actually design systems that help people get that sense of belonging. And I think that is upon, it is, the moment is upon us to do so, particularly if we want to avoid commodity. If we want to avoid what we do becoming commoditized and people simply looking at the cost per bit of metal, the best way we can do that is to shape experience. Oh, that's actually a really, really great point is shaping the experience. Before we get out of here, I want to highlight something you said, and that's the, the, the this last year has really kind of highlighted and, and put a, a spotlight on some of that technological inequities, right? Talk for a second about not just what AV can do, but quite frankly, as, as society at large, I'm not going to talk globally because different, you know, geopolitical and, and each country is different. You and I, yeah, I, I live in the U.S., you're in, in Canada. Both of our countries, you know, uh, both countries can do different things, but from a, a, a local community level, right? Uh, I, I'm in, in St. Louis, um, you know, different, in, in St. Louis is one of those one of those places where there's as much rural as there is, you know, uh, city, you know, dwelling, uh, and then everything in between. What can local communities do to kind of overcome some of those technological uh, inequities and, and to help those folks who don't have that connection, who don't have that connectivity, or don't have access to certain technologies? I think that it's the it's really with local communities to shift their priorities. You know, in the 20th century, the early part of the 20th century, you had these titans of industry in steel, oil, across, you know, across manufacturing. Yeah. And wherever they were, they said in order for us to be a real city, we've got to have a symphony and an art museum and an opera and a ballet. Today, the 21st century version of that is ubiquitous high-speed internet for everyone and high-speed transportation that gives, gets people from point A to point B across a met metropolitan area. So local communities, it, really the onus is upon them to focus, shift their priorities and treat internet access the way we treat electricity and water and to, and to set the priorities at your city, city government to solve that last mile problem. Then there are some bigger, question, bigger issues we can get into in terms of how co larger corporations could help us solve the last mile. Um, but I think we're going to have to see what happens in terms of some changes at the FCC in order for that to go down. Absolutely. And that's another conversation that you and I can have all day long. Mm -hmm. And I won't start about mesh networks, but... <laughs> Well, mesh networks and citywide internet and all that. I mean, they're, they're, again, they're, there's a lot that you, that we could that we could go down, um, and it's a fascinating conversation to me. But that, that, yeah, absolutely. 
And even and even just getting people to think about their hotspot technology that they have on their device and how they might share that. Right. You know, for if we if if we think about how we we used to have projects, there are projects I'm sure that are still going on at an academic level where people share their computing power when they're not using a device. They give their computing power to a project. The old SETI project in the 90s was one of those. The same thing could be happening with broadband access, where if we have excess access, we share that with other people so other people can get online and get past that last mile problem. Uh, that's a fascinating conversation. Um, Bren, thank you so much. We'll get to see uh, Bren uh, in all of her glory for an hour uh, on June 17th uh, at the AV3 uh, event. You can go by the website av3event.com. But if they want to connect with you uh, either beforehand or afterhand or, or even during, how do they connect with you, ma'am? Uh, you can connect with me, um, bwalker at kirkegaard.com. I, 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 I don't have social media. I just don't have time for it. I used to. I gave up my Facebook account, Twitter accounts 10 years ago and haven't looked back. You can also find me on LinkedIn, though, um, at Brenda J. Walker. So that's another mm-hmm. place. But uh, email is email is always the best way, bwalker at kirkegaard.com. I look forward to connecting with anyone who's interested. Very good, Bryn Walker from Kicker Guard. Again, you can check her out June 17th uh, with uh, me and Megan Dutta and, and uh, her friends over to Vixa as well. Uh, June 17th is the AB3 event, ab3event.com. Uh, you can register completely free. Uh, we don't have uh, the, the CTSRUs quite yet. They've been submitted, uh, but if, if most likely somewhere around uh, five CTSRUs, probably four point four and a half, four point seven five. So all that and more at av3ev3event.com uh, or you can check out us uh, at avnation, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv.